everyone, welcome to the Create Initiative Podcast, a show that brings you insights and techniques from people in the creative world. We serve to help fellow creatives connect, learn, and grow. Well, I'm Jason Evans, sitting across the table from the one, the only, Kyle Lee. How's it going, man? It's great. It's great. Just not Tony the Tiger great, but just great. Great. Did we talk about yeah. Serial <laughs> Wars last time? Yeah, last episode. Man. So now they've moved on to Harley Davidson and oh, the Biker I Wars. So. I hadn't seen it. Yeah. But I, I'm not interested in that. So, Serial <laughs> Wars was great, though. And so, yeah, uh, we, we hope maybe you checked it out after, yeah, after the last brand. episode. I had some off-brand Frosted Flakes last night. Nice. Nice. Tony would be very upset about that. Yeah, I'm telling you. I stand by it. If your cereal comes in a box, you're rich. <laughs> Oh, well, listener, we hope you are having a good week and that uh, even though it's Monday, things are starting off well for you. And uh, Kyle, man, it, it, it always feels like forever since we've last sat in a room together. How's, how have things been going? It has been great. Um, well, you just mentioned that it's Monday. It's Monday when they're listening to this, but yeah. on actual Monday this week... I sat at a car dealership for five hours waiting for a new key fob for my wife's van for them to come out and tell me that, oh, your key fob is in Dallas. Come back tomorrow. And so... That's a good start to a week. Yeah. So that's a great Monday. So like you went in, why did it take them five hours? Great story. So Sunday night... um. I was uh, taking a nap like Sunday evening. I was getting up from my nap and my wife tells me that our son had locked the van. And a couple months ago, her, her key fob stopped working. And so we just hadn't been locking it because the key doesn't unlock the door either because the ignition had been changed at some point in time. And so the key works in the ignition, doesn't work in the lock. Um... Anyways, we didn't really care to lock it. It was no big deal. If someone steals the kids' toys, they have a billion more. It would have been doing us a favor. So I work for four or five hours to try to get this door unlocked. I end up using a shoestring, <laughs> tying a slip knot in this shoestring, sliding it, like prying open the, the door, sliding it through there, looping it around the, the lock, and then pulling it tight, pulling it up, unlocks the door. But when I open it, it sets off the alarm. Okay. Okay. Just alarm's going crazy. And your fob won't turn it it off. Yeah, our fob doesn't work. And uh, the only way, I'm looking it up on my phone, the only way is, you know, put your key in the driver's side door, unlock it, lock it, that'll disable, or use your key fob. And, I mean, it's 10 o'clock at (laughs) night, and this in our garage, this is just going crazy. It's like, well, maybe if I start driving it... (laughs) You know, maybe if I start driving it, it'll at least stop honking or something like that. So then I I zoom out of the driveway because it's so loud and I just take off driving and just honking 10 o'clock at night through our neighborhood, just honking, (laughs) lights flashing. And uh, so I'm like, oh, this is not going to stop. I'm going to end up getting pulled over away from my house where it's really going to seem, it's really seemed right now that I've stolen this car. And then like I turn back onto our street and I see some lady like in the road on the phone. I'm like, she's definitely calling the cops. Uh, (laughs) So I pull in and uh, I pop the hood and you know, after like five minutes, the honking stops. But then if you do like one other thing, it just starts again. Okay. And so um, I look up, where the horn fuse is and uh, take it out. But that's also the brake light sensor. Oh, so okay. can't put your car into gear. I'm just learning all this stuff. I don't know anything about cars. And then so I just wait. I'm like, I disconnect the battery. Maybe that'll reset the alarm. Come back in the morning, six o'clock in the morning. Doesn't, doesn't do anything. And so I was like, I got to get this to the dealership. But can't put it in gear so I have my wife come out there and sit in the car turn it on I put the horn fuse in there and it's just going nuts and then I say put it in neutral so she puts it in neutral then I take the horn fuse out and then she jumps out I jump in and uh, 
take it to the dealership, tell them what's up. I was like, I just need this this theft system reset, turned off, dis- like we don't need it, disconnected. And so that's, I get there and they're like, okay, well, the, the easiest way to do that, we'll just reprogram you a new fob. Perfect. And so I go in there and sit down and they're like, well, it shouldn't be very long. Four hours later, they come out. I hadn't heard from anyone this whole time. Yeah. They come out. Well, hopefully, man, we'll just be able to program you a new fob. I was like, yeah, that's what you told me four, four hours four hours ago. <laughs> Y'all haven't even started working on the van. Um, and then like 30 minutes later, he's like, well, there's a problem. The fob's in Dallas. Like, you couldn't have checked that when I got here. And so, but they somehow disabled the alarm system. Okay. And they they said that they didn't. They're like, yeah, it'll keep flashing. So we didn't put that uh, honk in. So we didn't put that fuse back in. But you can use. They showed me where to stick the screwdriver to put my car into gear, and uh, <laughs> and but it it wasn't honking anymore. So I I could have just left and never came back. Yeah. And saved two hundred seventy five dollars. But anyways, my wife's eleven year old Honda Odyssey has a nice shiny new. Key fob. Wow, nice. Yeah, so it only took two days and yeah, hours and hours of waiting. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, and did the cops ever show up? On cops Sunday never night? showed up. Okay, that's good. That's good. My that's neighbors good. though. The the, the I, lady probably is like, oh wait a minute, it's just those Lee people. Nah, I don't. I don't even know who. I, this lady was just out in the road on the phone, so she might have just been doing that anyways. But mm-hmm. she may have just been talking. <laughs> Well, I'm sorry that your week started out so uh, no, it was great. adventurously. It was awesome. Um, we hope that uh, maybe your week uh, is full of better news. You know what? The, the silver lining, the car dealership had free soda, like a oh, soda fountain. Like a fountain? Yeah. Wow. Mine's so, only got coffee. In that five hours, I had several cups of soda. Dr. So. Pepper? Yeah, it was Dr. Yeah, Pepper. No Mountain Dew. They don't have Mountain Dew. Yeah. But. Uh, well, Kyle, uh, we actually have a guest on today's show. <laughs> this show has been sponsored by Soda. Soda, cereal. And Fowler and Honda. <laughs> Fowler Honda. Let them get a shout out. Well, Kyle, we do have a guest today. and uh, th- This is a great guest. I was super excited to have him on the show. It's Greg Vinnerholm, uh, who is the... Uh, the communications director and the the design and interactive director at Church on the Move and and, and during our talk we talk about what that interactive part means yeah and uh, we we talk a lot about how uh, it, it's pretty well known uh, the idea that Church on the Move is constantly changing uh, constantly in, moving they're constantly moving um, you know with their with staff and with their kind of the way they they move forward with vision and and definitely on the creative side and. Uh, we talked quite a bit about that. Greg was uh, super cool and honest, and, and uh, it was just a great, great talk. So, um, man, let's just get right to it. Let's do it. Here is our interview with Greg Vinnerholm. Well, Greg, thank you so much for taking time to be on the Create Initiative podcast. Uh, we're very happy to have you. Hey, my pleasure. It's uh, always a good good chance to uh, speak with uh, other designers. Yeah, and uh, so so kind of just to lay the groundwork, uh, will you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're at, uh, family, things like that? Yeah, sure. So I am a, a design director, uh, an interactive director for Church on the Move in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, designer of uh, many, many years. This is my first ministry gig. I, I come from the agency world, so... Um, kind of jumping, jumping tracks about seven or eight years ago. Okay. Got, uh, got three boys. Uh, one of them, my oldest is a designer. He's also a designer here at church on the move. Um, uh, middle son is off to college and the youngest is a, a competitive swimmer. So awesome. we keep, keeps us busy. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, well, uh, so so you mentioned that that you you really spent a lot of time in the uh, creative uh, world and the agency side of things. Um, how did this your interest in design even begin? Like, how old were you, and what did that look like? Uh, it's it's funny. I've always had a fascination with how things looked and how they worked and how they felt. Uh, even when I was, um, a young kid in, uh, junior high, um, seventh, eighth grade, 
Uh, I was constantly drawing things and cutaways of spaceships and thinking about structure. Uh, and in that same school, I started kind of, uh, it's funny. Now I look back at it and I realize, oh, I was exploring typography. Back then, all I was doing was drawing words. I just had a good time, you know, kind of lettering, hand lettering and things mm-hmm. like that. To the point that, you know, my friends would eventually start asking me to, uh, hey, could you could you draw my girlfriend's name for me so I could give it to her? And, <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, there you go. A typographer is born. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but it, it, it started then, uh, and, and, you know, back in, back in those days, as old people say, cause well, I'm, I'm an old person, uh, <laughs> it was called commercial art. Uh, then it, uh, you know, in, in the mid eighties, it started changing to graphic design. So, uh, that's kind of where it all started for me. So did you, uh, once you kind of figured that out, did you go and get like a formal education or was it all self-taught or what did that look like? Sure. So as I as I went through uh, my primary education, I ended up taking all the classes I could to the point that my senior year was independent study. They just didn't have anything else to, to offer me. So uh, I, I went off and kind of designed my own my own curriculum for my senior year. Okay. After that, I went straight into a uh, what was then a two year trade school. Now it's a four year degree program. It's one of the best design schools on the East Coast. Uh, called SAA back then, School of Advertising Art. Now it's called the, the Modern College of Design. And went straight through that pretty quickly. Again, at my point, that was a, a two-year program. Um, and went straight from there into the studio world. So, you know, there's difference between studios and agencies. And I went into the studio world and started working as a production designer right away. Uh, and, and learned, you know, learned the craft from the bottom up. Yeah. And so then you just work your way <laughs> yeah. on up, you know, I've, I've sitting here thinking like, uh, a lot of our listeners, they, they don't know a life without the internet. <laughs> um, I was right on the edge, you know, I probably didn't have a computer with internet until I was 18 or 19. So like I can vaguely remember, but what, like, I mean, cause you mentioned it was commercial art and graphic design. Like, yeah. what was that transition uh, to, from, from going to like a, you know, it, it was like a draw and scan and copy and, you know, yeah. creating your art that way versus, you know, now we've fast forward fully into this digital immersive. Yeah, well, it's it's funny. When I started school, uh, the the Mac hadn't yet fully um, uh, infiltrated our world. Yeah, uh, they they were really uh, relegated to the service houses where you would order typography and and order galley type and things like that. Uh, as I got through school and then through in into the first couple of jobs is when I really started working on a Mac uh, hands on. And it was it's funny that shift um, changed a lot of things. Once you put a tool like that in everyone's hands, then boom, everyone's a designer. Everyone's a typographer, even though they haven't had this, the school or the training behind it. So it, it kind of. Uh, uh, it, it did change the face of, of uh, the, the profession, the craft, uh, but it also obviously has made life so much better to the point. You know, it's funny now my, my middle son, who's uh, just started college, he designs T-shirts, but he designs them entirely on his phone, mm-hmm. his, his phone. <laughs> now, you know, to a guy like me, that's somewhat offensive. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I say that in jest, um, but it, it's really interesting to see how the tools have changed how we how we work and what what we can and cannot do, and uh, it's just it's interesting to have seen the the shift. Yeah, I, I, I can imagine. Um, well, so you mentioned that once you moved to church on the move, it was that was your first uh, kind of venture into the church world doing this. What what did that look like? What what made you decide that this was the time to go and, and all that kind of stuff? Well, it's a funny story and it starts about 20 years ago and I, I kind of wish I was kidding, but I'm not. I was in a, uh, a large agency in Columbus, Ohio, and we did, uh, we were primarily a digital agency. So what that means is we would take 
large brands and extend them online. And this is, again, back when that was uh, kind of a land rush. You know, people were, were jumping uh, to the Internet from from uh, traditional mediums. Mm-hmm. So some of my clients at that point, uh, the projects that I, I was fortunate enough to be part of, uh, included Burton Snowboards, Hewlett Packard, uh, Victoria's Secret, Ford Motors, uh, Procter & Gamble, Wendy's Hamburgers. I mean, you know, large, large brands. Mm-hmm. Well, that afforded me the opportunity to uh, get published a few times as well. So out of the blue, I get a phone call from this guy and he's wanting to know what uh, what typeface I used on a particular website. Literally, that, that's that's how my introduction to Church on the Move started. That guy was Whit George. Okay. And he was, you know, he, he's, you know, now he's our lead pastor. And, and but then he was, um, he, he was a designer here and you know, managing a lot of, a lot of what was happening here as far as, you know, what things look like. And he was curious. He's always, always curious. So he, he was just, he thought, well, you know, the easiest thing to do is call the place and talk to the guy and find out what the typeface was. Well, as it turns out, it was a custom-made typeface, and I couldn't actually uh, give it to him. But uh, it started a you know a relationship, uh, and that was literally 20 years ago. Well, wow. they they tried to hire me a couple of times, and you know timing is what it is. Um, but uh, there, about eight years ago now, I was uh, talking with my wife, and I said, you know, if Whit ever calls back and offers that again, I I think I'm just not even going to think about it. We're just going to do it. And wouldn't you know, about six weeks later, he calls me out of the blue. Hey, I'm looking for somebody. And uh, well, the rest is history. <laughs> so and, and it's interesting, too, because even in that those eight years that I've been here, everything has changed. Yeah. Um, you know, this organization just never stops reinventing itself. So even what I do now is different than what I did eight years ago. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up because I'd kind of like to talk about that, you know, the church on the move in in this part of the the country, especially. um, And and I think even in globally, uh, they've kind of been known as as a church that's on the leading edge of creativity. I mean, even if you go back to Pastor Willie, you know, with the gospel bill and his the TV ministry and stuff. Yeah. um, You know, the, the church has just kind of always had that 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 edge to it as far as creative speaking. Um, but, but now that over these last few years, just as an outsider, it just seems like, I mean, the church has undergone all kinds of transition. Um, what has that been like leading through transition, both from a, this is how we want it to look. And then also kind of internally with leadership. Wow. Um, well, it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a big question. I guess. It is, it is. And I, I, I sort of stumble because it has gone from, um, everything is about the look, you know, back when we did seeds conference and, mm-hmm. and things like that. And, and I, I, I'm not kidding in saying that like series artwork, we would do sometimes 20, 25 iterations of a, of a piece of art before we, we got everyone happy with it. Yeah. Uh, to now it is much more compressed and we, we get to things a little quicker and maybe it's not quite as, um, ah, it's, it's, uh, we've gone from perfection to accepting, you know, excellence can be, can be accomplished in many ways. Uh, perfectionism, perfectionism is something that can actually kill you. So we've, you know, we've kind of moved away from everything has to be super uber perfect to, you know, let's make it excellent and let's get on to the next thing because yeah. there's always a next thing. So um, that's a little glimpse and, you know, to the art side of it, organizationally, uh, gosh, since I've been here, you know, we've gone from, you know, Pastor George, you know, leading the place to, you know, we transitioned to, to Wit now being our, our, our senior lead pastor. And uh, even in the last few months, we've started transitioning our ministry model to being that of a broadcast model to that of being, um, you know, live speakers at each venue. So mm-hmm. it just, it never stops changing. And it's, um, uh, it's challenging and rewarding at the same time. So it's, there's never a dull, never a dull moment. I can, I can promise you that. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, um, so from your perspective, going from the 25 iterations of a sermon series art uh, to to kind of being able to you know knock out more work efficiently, but also yeah. excellently, um, how do you keep yourself from uh, trying to think out a word this it uh, creatively stagnant is probably not the right word but how do you keep yourself motivated to always still Challenged. be producing the good the good work yeah instead of just producing work if that makes sense I'm not gonna lie uh, and as I as I look back at our work over the past few years there have been seasons where we're not pushing the 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 envelope like mm-hmm. we we had before. And those are typically aligned with seasons where there's a lot of ambiguity organizationally. So, you know, when we're really not sure where we're going. So as an example, um, there for a while, we were kind of building towards a model of having a centralized creative department where, you know, we've got these, you know, several campuses around, but in the middle of it, you've got, um, you know, a group of creatives and and production uh, folks that, kind of service all of those, right? I mean, it's, and it's a, a fairly typical model of, of large multi-campus churches. Well, here in the last uh, a year or so, uh, maybe, maybe a little more than that, we started kind of shifting that too. So maybe, you know, the idea is to embed creatives into each of those uh, campuses. Mm. So that, so the creative work is, uh, more closely aligned with what that senior campus pastor wants to wants to do, and, and what that particular church body uh, where they need to go. Uh, so when when you think about breaking up that model into you know uh, individually embedded components like that, it kind of it kind of changes the nature of what you're doing and how you do it. So mm-hmm. when you when you try to walk through that as a creative, um, you know. I don't have hair, but if I did, I'd be pulling it out. It's it's kind of crazy um, the the stress it can put on you when you're trying to solve one thing over here, but then you've got another campus wanting this over here, and yeah. So we're we're still walking that out. We don't exactly know what that what that's going to end up looking like, and and then all along this whole process, um, we as a church um, went through. Uh, we wrote a, a, a curriculum last year called Real Jesus, and and it's uh, it's a great book and everything. We and the church itself went through that and had um, an awakening of a lot of things. And you know now we're like, well, how important is it that we do forty two versions of something? You know, maybe yeah. maybe we, maybe we can get there quicker and get to the more important things. So it's. Uh, <laughs> you're getting a sense for what it's like to, to, you know, be creative here. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's ever changing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I that it sounds like it. <laughs> um, well, it, and I don't want to paint a picture like it's bad. It's not, it's great. We're, we're all, um, you know, uh, a journey never has a destination. It seems. It seems like it's just you're always on to the next, whatever that next thing is, and and that's where we are. We just keep on discovering what's the next thing, and okay, we move to that, uh, and then you know you might think, oh, good, now we can settle. Nope, can't settle. Yeah. You're gonna gonna you're gonna move on to the next thing. Oh, that's good. Um, so even you know from being in the agency side to to being working in the church world. Uh, you know, you, you've been a creative and a designer that, that always there's, there's, there's a, a level of leadership above you, you know, and just some kind of artistic direction or maybe just pastoral direction. Yeah. Uh, for, for you personally, what are some things that, that you've learned when it comes to working under leadership? Um, you know, you always hear the stories of creatives who, well, my pastor just doesn't get it or this person, this or that or that. And, um, you know, what have you learned that, that, uh, about working under leadership? Well, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll never, never say that my pastor doesn't get it because I've been fortunate and I count myself blessed to have worked for, uh, for wit for a long time. And, you know, that guy, has a level of of taste that is 
difficult to find. Even <laughs> even when I was uh, uh, Church on the Move was a retainer client of mine for a long time while I was in Ohio, and I, I worked from there to help provide service. Even then, and you know, I, I mentioned some of my clients before. Even then. Uh, Church on the Move was one of the hardest clients I had to to satisfy because the the level of taste was just incredible, incredibly high. So I'm fortunate that you know the the leader you know that I, I serve under is someone who does understand creativity and does push the envelope. So I'm I'm thankful and humbled you know that you know the people I work for have that level of creativity. Now, the, the difference being uh, evident to me after I've worked here for a while is this is not like an agency. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, when, when you work in, a, in, a, in the creative field out in the, in the, the professional creative field, you know, you've got clients, you've got deadlines, and man, those things matter, and they matter a lot. Um, timelines don't slide just because you say they need to slide. So it's been, it took me a good couple of years to really get my feet under me as to how, how this place works. And then as soon as I did, well, it, everything changed. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's, it's a bit like having sea legs. You just kind of go with the waves and, and see where you're going to end up next. Cool. Um, so, uh, how many members, uh, of your team are there that, that kind of direct report, uh, to your department? So the way we are organized, um, uh, I, I lead a smaller team that is part of a bigger team. So okay. we're the we're the communications department, and inside that department is the actual communication director. Um, there's uh, story and film, so the storytellers and the film team. Um, there's design and interactive. That's where I come in, uh, and then there's our you know, the, the person we all roll up to, um, and she is over all of communications. So, you know, the, the component that, that I directly influence is the, the two designers that, uh, manage most of the church on the move stuff. Now I, I, I break it out like that because all of the kids on the move and the 180 stuff comes from a different creative team. Okay. So you know they they kind of are often running down their own track. So most of the the uh, church on the move content comes through uh, comes through this team. So we've got two designers. Um, I've got a uh, two contract web developers. One of which was formerly full time, and he opted to go contract so he could uh, maybe do a, a few other things. Um, so right there is four people and uh, I've got a volunteer art director who uh, we just onboarded. He's incredibly talented and I'm, I'm looking forward to working with him and, and uh, in an intern occasionally. So um, it's a, it's a small but mighty team. Yeah. And, you know, we, we, um, we have done some very good things in the past and right now we're, we're looking forward to doing some very good things in the future and just kind of seeing how the structure shakes out. Yeah. Well, uh, so, you know, you, you've talked about your own transitions through change in the church and, and how you've, you've dealt with them. Um, you know, when it comes to managing team mem- members, um, what are some things you've learned, uh, you know, of, of not just getting the work done, but also of just being able to kind of lead the team behind a vision? My goodness. Uh, well, I'll just say this. The, f- the first thing I've learned is I've always got a lot to learn. <laughs> um, uh, you, know, you know, no kidding. I, I, um, you know, I listen to Craig Rochelle's leadership podcast uh, uh, regularly because I find it so challenging and there's always such great content. And that always reminds me that I'm, a, <laughs> I'm not a great leader yet. So I've got loads of, of room to improve. But I, I can tell you, though, that um, the, my experience in, in, in the design world and in the, the, the commercial you know, art world, meaning you know, how things get done, um, has, has always led me to believe that you know, you've always got to have the backs of your of your designers. You've always got to be, uh, make sure that, that they believe you're on their side, uh, because I am on their side. Uh, make sure that, um, that they 
understand that um, even in ambiguity, we can move forward. Uh, you, you take uh, you take the next right step. You know, God doesn't always make it super clear where you're going, but if you if you're careful and you 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 keep your eyes open, you can at least see what's what's the next right step, whatever's right in front of you. So, in this season where we're all kind of uh, reimagining how we work and how we do what we do. And Hey, the weekends keep coming. Um, sometimes it's ambiguous, but we can always do the, the next right thing that's right in front of us. And, and by golly, you know, it isn't us that makes it great. It's God. So if we can do what, what we're challenged to do, then he'll, he'll be faithful and take care of the rest. Yeah, that that's good. And, uh, you, you said, um, making sure that your team members believe that you are on their side. Um, yeah. you know, even in, in maybe a disagreement or a stylistic choice, um, what can, can we just dive into that a little bit deeper? What does that mean? Like for how does, how do they know you're on their side? Yeah. So, uh, our organization, uh, quite often, um, you'll have opinion makers and decision makers going straight to, uh, straight to a designer on something instead of going through through me to get to them. Mm-hmm. So in in that case, oftentimes I may not be um, the one that has the most current version of the discussion. Okay, so conversations happen uh, outside of of my ears, and so I, I'm not exactly sure. But I I can tell you this, and I think that both designers would tell you the same thing. I trust them. You know, I, I, um, I picked them to be on the team. You know, they went through the hiring process. Everyone agreed. Um, they're great. They're um, highly skilled and highly reasoned. They uh, think about what they're doing. So I trust them. And when, when I trust them, that also means I've got their back and they know that. So if, a, if a, um, something goes sideways, you know, I'm, I'm in their corner and it, I mean, it doesn't go sideways like an ugly thing, Yeah. but some, you know, sometimes uh, mistakes happen or, or, um, uh, decisions aren't agreed upon. Well, that's okay. You know, uh, opinions are like noses. Everyone's got one. (laughs) Um, and I'm, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to stick with the team and help figure out, uh, uh, the right solution for the, for not only the individual piece, but then also for the organization. Oh, that's good. That that is very good. Um, if, if I want to kind of go back, you mentioned at the top that you're the design and interactive director yeah. at Church on Move. What is that interactive piece? Cause that, you know, for a lot of maybe church creatives that that's a little bit of a foreign idea as yeah. far as a title. Yeah. Yeah, and and that's also kind of foreign here too. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay, so if I go back to the beginning when Wit hired me, um, uh, I came from a digital agency. I, I've done you know some fairly notable large scale digital experiences, and when I came here, I really thought that's what I was coming here to do. Okay, and as is true in the church, um, you know, you get here and. Uh, you will end up wearing lots of hats. Well, at, at the time that I came here, there wasn't a super big desire to, to lead interactive into a new space, even though I had loads of ideas of what we could do. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the organization wasn't necessarily ready for it, didn't necessarily you know, want some of those changes at the time. So, um, you know, what I do have is uh, you know, a metric ton of design experience. So, you know, I just kind of found what I could help with and helped with that. Um, here in the last few years, we've really taken some ground on the interactive space. And that means anything that's web related or app related, okay. it's interact, you know, things that you interact with. Um, so I've kind of helped with the, the, the small team that we've got figure out how do we make a, a site that doesn't completely um, ruin things. <laughs> we, we, uh, it's funny. We had a site when I got here that was, um, 
entirely proprietary in its code. And I, I know why it was done that way. And it wasn't a bad decision then. It just turns out, you know, as time passes, it makes it really tough to do updates and things like that. Yeah. So uh, we we were given the chance to cut the site over to, to a new infrastructure. Uh, so we did that. And even then, it was always a very quick thing. I didn't, uh, I didn't get a, a chance to spend six months on strategy like I had done for those other large experiences in, in the, you know, the, the agency world. So it's always a very quick thing. So interactive is something that I'm, I'm very passionate about, but even here in our very quick paced environment, sometimes you don't get to spend as much time as you'd like. I'm thrilled though that a couple of years ago we were able to launch cotm.info, which um, turns out, you know, is a, is a very handy tool for mm-hmm. everyone. And, and it turns out a lot of other folks thought so as well. So, cause it's been ripped off a number of times, which is, which is great. Yeah. Um, so it's um, yeah, it's, it's a weird title. Um, and sometimes it is, doesn't always ring true as to what I'm actually working on, but that's okay. In the, in the season I find myself now, I'm much more of a, of an engineer. Um, which is to say that I'm I'm putting things together. Yeah. In, instead of you know hands on the tool and doing the design work, I'm uh, I haven't done you know, much of the design work for years here, um, but I'm I'm I still am you know monkey in the middle you know plugging holes and helping to uh, to stitch things together. We we just did a large installation right before Easter and you know, it had nothing to do with design, but it had everything to do with creative problem solving. And man, that's fun. Yeah. So, um, everything changes. Yeah. Well, uh, so if I can ask you maybe a more, uh, I don't know, philosophical or, or big picture question. Um, so, oh, get so, after it. <laughs> well, since you, you love the interactive side of things, what is, yeah. w- what are some spaces that the church could really, go for as far as interactive with, with people both inside and outside their, their walls? Oh, well, interactive has changed so much and so fast. Um, you know, it used to be, it was all, you know, browser based and desktop and laptop based. And now of course it's all phone based. Uh, you see a lot of, um, a lot of churches and a lot of organizations, um, going, um, full on into the app world and full on into um, uh, providing service where you are, including, um, you know, the, all the, um, you know, the smart speakers in the homes and, mm-hmm. you know, Alexa and whatnot. Um, you know, where's it going? I'm not sure. Um, I don't know that anyone is sure. I think we're all just taking educated guesses. Um, I know that, I personally believe we should be illuminating our content in such a way and building our content in such a way that no matter how a consumer or how a a congregant wants to interact with us, that we make it easy. Right. So I know that all of our podcast information should be easily found by Alexa or, or any of the other, the other digital agents out there. Um, And, and to a degree ours, are, but there's also some things that I know um, are difficult to get to. Um, yeah, the funny thing is, though, it takes so much effort to get some of that stuff done that um, a lot of folks don't have the um, the patience to actually see that kind of stuff come to fruition. It just it's you know they call it work for a reason. It's it's work. It takes time. Um, but I'm, I'm thankful that we, you know, whenever we can, we, we try and make smart decisions and, and get stuff out there. So I think that's where the, the church at large should go is getting their content easily accessible, uh, by all of these as of yet unseen, uh, uh, digital devices that are coming. Yeah. I mean, who, who really thought that, um, you know, on a watch, you'd be able to get anything you'd want. And you can now. Yeah. You know, well, what's next? So. Yeah, that's true. There's always that what's next, uh, whether we're ready for it or not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Um, well, just uh, we, we appreciate your time. And as we wrap up, I've just got one final question. And um, I just want to know if you had any words of encouragement that you could offer to creatives in the local church. Uh, I would I would just say that we uh, we get to do this. Right. We don't have to. We we get to. Uh, it's a it's a privilege that God's given us all the talents that he's given us and we get to apply it uh, to his message, right? We, we get to use our talents in messaging and design and motion and music or whatever your craft is, you know, we get to use it for, for his purposes. So don't take it for granted. Uh, it's so easy to get frustrated and burn out uh, I know I've been through that myself and thank goodness God saw me through it. Um, but find something that refills your tank and, uh, you know, get re-energized and get right back at it. It's, uh, it's, it's really crucial as, as creatives that we understand, you know, how our uh, emotional health is and how our tanks are running so we can refill them and and um, keep moving this ball forward because there are lost people out there and they need Jesus. We want to thank Greg again for joining us and uh, it was just a great talk and so uh, thanks again Greg. Yes. Thanks. <laughs> You're so passionate Kyle. Um, you know, before we wrap up, there there's one little thing you, you brought up and, and we kind of talked about a little bit, Kyle, and that's uh, Marty Sampson, who last week there was an article, uh, I guess he posted something on Instagram about, you know, losing his faith. Well, then that led to kind of, as the Christian world tends to do, a nice overreaction, maybe. Yeah, canceled. He's canceled. He's, yeah. <laughs> And, you know, Michael Brown wrote an op-ed, you know, really trying to use apologetics to to bring him back in the fold. And then Marty Sampson came back and was clarified, like, it's not that he's turned away from his faith. He just has a lot of questions. Yeah. What what, what are your thoughts on this? I think, uh, well, if you don't know, Marty Sampson, written like a billion Hillsong songs, written songs for Delirious, written yep. songs for... Who knows who? I mean, if you if you know worship songs, you probably know several Marty Sampson written yeah, songs. Yeah, that's true. Um, I think maybe he's having a bad night. No, no telling what was going on. <laughs> whenever before he posted that, because you know at the beginning he's like, "I'm just going to be real right now." And yeah. So something was bothering him, and uh, that's what he was. He was just real about his questions, and I think he just expressed some concerns and some thoughts that I think all humans struggle with. But in this amazing cancel culture that we live in, um, there's no room for doubt. And so I think that's what happened. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I, I agree. I, and especially I just, when you're in the, the market that he's in. So like Hillsong is very like music wise, you know, like if they're, if they want to get played on, Caleb radio, then you've got, you, you got to make sure that yeah. every, like nothing's ever wrong. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, uh, it was just, it's unfortunate that there's not a, instead of surrounding him and lifting someone up like that and encouraging him to talk through his questions yeah. and, yeah. and you know, God's big enough for your doubts. It was just kind of like this guy, he's so jaded and loves the world. And yeah. So, and, um, and even if it's not a, like a, just a directed anger towards him, like even the Michael Brown piece, like it wasn't like anger, like you've, you know, you're a sinner, but it was like a, there was a real heartfelt plea to like, you know, turn to your faith and, and all that. But it's like even using a public forum like that, that to me still rubs me wrong. Yeah. Like, you know, like you said, if, if his, if his friends and the people close to him and his church leaders will surround him. Yeah. Okay, but I, I think as a, as a global church body, we don't need to to jump on the yeah. And who the, knows if he even train. had talked to anyone? Yeah, yeah. And I wouldn't blame him for being say. So what if instead of posting that, he goes to one of the leaders, like his people are, uh, yeah. above him, and he starts saying all this stuff? I would be worried that 
just in the church culture that we live in that they'd be like, Oh, well you can't, you can't do this anymore. Like you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause we've seen it over and over with people like Rob Bell, Michael yeah. Gunger. Yep. And I think a lot of times in those situations, the way people have reacted to the initial like questions or as what leads those people down a path further yeah. away from yeah. God. Yeah. Maybe it, I think if, the initial reaction from believers and fellow Christians and family and friends and church members would be that of like love and uplifting and encouragement. Maybe they wouldn't continue to stray down. Yeah. Like, well, I see this just proves my point. Yeah. And you definitely don't want to give them further proof. Yeah. And so <laughs> I, I'm not, I mean, I don't have a reason to defend Marty Sampson. Yeah. I mean, if he chooses to walk away from God today, it doesn't change I'll still sing the thousand yeah. songs that and he wrote. And yeah. it's not like, it's not putting a curse on those songs. It's, I mean, if, well, if you, if you feel that way, then you're putting too much stock in those songs in the first place. Yeah. yeah. Um, he's not like an angel or something that he was just <laughs> a dude that was good at writing songs. You yeah. Know? yeah. Um, and I don't think according to what we know as of right now, like, I don't think you can assume that he was just lying when he wrote those songs. No. Yeah. You know, that, that his things have just changed and where he's at right now is just probably different than he was, was 10 years ago. But I mean, we should all be able to say that, right? Yeah. Yeah. We should all be somewhere different there's, now. There's, there we has to be more, there has to be more room in the church and in the vernacular. That's a big word. Yeah. Um, for, people to discuss those non-essential beliefs. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where, where I mean, you have your essential beliefs, you know, Jesus Christ, blah, 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 they could be whatever your essential beliefs. And then you got your non-essential beliefs that are, we could disagree on them, but it's not going to change the yeah. fact that yeah. we're both still Christians. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? But there's not enough. I feel like, and this is not even just in Christianity. It's just like worldwide and all the, yeah. like everyone, there's, it's getting to a point where everyone has to believe the exact same thing. And if you don't, then, well, one's wrong, one's right. And the wrong needs to be never be heard of yeah, from yeah. ever again. Yep. And, um, it's just a really, I think it's swung that way and I think it's going to bust and then it'll come back the other way. Yeah. And, Cause it just kind of flows back and forth, you know, it's just like, well, anything goes actually only this thing goes. Yeah. And then, yeah. well, actually there's a great balance and yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, try to bring this as we come to a close, uh, bring it back into the creative space. You, you mentioned off air, um, you know, creative people tend to ask more questions. Yeah. They tend to, you know, whether it's about faith or life or, you know, we always hear all the time the the why. You know, it's like when you're designing a piece, when you're making a video, when you're doing something creative, you always ask why. What is the why behind this? Well, it's only natural that people are going to start asking, you know, creative people especially are going to start asking, well, why do I believe this? Yeah. And because when you get, and when you get to see behind the scenes of how a Sunday morning even works, yeah. you know, yeah. you get to see, well, and you get to see like, not things that are scripted, but you know, it's like kind of all orchestrated this experience. Yeah. And yeah. so sometimes if you're just sitting in the congregation, you feel like things are just naturally happening and flowing. And yeah. that came at this experience just happened where, um, when you're on a church staff or when you're on a volunteer team, you get to see like, oh, well, we were trying to make this happen. And I don't think that's wrong. Yeah. But sometimes it makes, you can miss, you can miss the wonder and you can miss yep. the the presence of God, like moving in your, your life because you're so focused on making the experience happen. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that lends itself to more, to more questions of, yeah. well, what am I, and am I missing God or is God even in it? And, um, so it's important to lean into those questions yeah. rather than and and search them out and find out where where he is in it and yeah. even amidst that instead of just being like well That's I'm just going to go to the forest and yeah. pray because <laughs> that can't be orchestrated you know and yeah. so yeah I don't you know the church is such a interesting interesting place and especially in the modern modern world uh you know cuz just think a church like Hillsong uh 30 years ago could not have the global impact that yeah. it has now. And, you know, so it's just the church world itself is so 
so strange sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's always great when, when something like this becomes big news. Yeah. It'll be interesting um, to see like what radio, like yeah, literally he's yeah. written like every popular, he's, his name is yeah. tagged on with like every popular Hillsong song, yeah. several other like super famous Christian songs. And you know, the trend is to, oh, we'll just never play them again, yeah, yeah. but they, they're not going to be able to do that. Yeah. It's going to be a hard, like on the radio hard, hard now. Thing to and do, so, so. It'll yeah. see it'll, they've, it's the monster they've created too. Yep. And yep. so we'll see if they stand by it or if, uh, like, well, actually money's more important. So well, we'll see. We'll see that. Listen I'm talking to, to you, Caleb. If you listen to this, <laughs> what about the new air one? The new air one I've had faith in and then lost that faith. Once <laughs> you've been questioning, I'm, faith. I'm starting to lose my faith, Jason, in the new air one. Uh, um, you know, cause they started when they're like, we're playing the good stuff and they would play, they would air like people's complaints. Did you know that? Like, so you they, told me, yeah, about they would it, call yeah. in, I play the old stuff. And they're like, no, we're not playing the old stuff. Uh, we're playing the best. And then they slowly just kind of started going back. It's just K love 2.0. <laughs> and so, uh, that's oh, fine. Well, I can't believe you've lost your faith. And I've lost my faith. One. Uh, lost first. I lost my passion. <laughs> Now I've lost my faith. No, you've lost your faith in in Air One. Well, well, Kyle, we need to get out of here. This this episode, like, I mean, our episodes always meander in a lot of directions. Yeah, I think this one may be a new record for us. So. This one is <laughs> as deep as it gets. Guys. It's as as deep and as shallow as it gets. And uh, so uh, we appreciate you listening. And honestly, we would love to hear your thoughts about this whole. Uh, creatives and questioning and losing their faith or about you know Marty directly or whatever uh, so hit us up on the social media shoot us an email or whatever uh, we would love to, yeah. to hear your thoughts the so. best way to let us know your thought is by leaving a five star review there you go at the uh, the podcast episode page or whatever it yeah, is yeah leave us a five star review with your with your thoughts about the Marty Sampson yeah but mainly situation. the five stars your yeah, thoughts may, I mean, make sure it's five stars yeah. Always. If, if it's a one star, don't even bother. <laughs> oh, man. Well, Kyle, uh, thanks. Thanks for joining. Yeah. It's always fun. It's always a pleasure. And uh, we, we thank you for joining, dear listener, and we will see you in a couple weeks. <laughs>